could tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Can't kick my feet up cause I ain't home. You can tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that. Never seen my ankle fade. Laughing daily, dangerous fades. Eyes on that last day. Long for that, but can't just wait. Call his name, I say my crate. Said he saved my, saved my plates. Treasures in me, cause I'm clay. Can't crack my code, I'm safe. Focus my aim, they grow through the pain. This road ain't in vain. So when he's stoking the flames, hope that no one can restrain. Still mate, get blood on my shirt. It's a real fight. Ain't built for this world, it'll feel right. Feel remember what I feel like. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Can't kick my feet up cause I ain't home. You can tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that. Can't live for profit, they pay us. Tryna live like the profit that's hail. My hopes in later. But I grind right now, it's layers. I'm fighting my independence. Them comments can't end my sentence. We broke it up in a tantrum. What the my bad is been is been. And see what I'm on. I've been in my zone. The ceiling is gone. Who sick is the feeling is sound? Tell them to drill it is down. Hey, still. Told them it's not no drill. They feel like I'm not for real. F- feeling glad he got that wheel. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Can't kick my feet up cause I ain't home. You can tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that in stone. Tell him put that. Hello and welcome to another episode of 66 Deep. Well, thank you for joining us for this multi-part series on Are You Ready for the End? As we're touching on many things surrounding not only eschatology, but specifically with this one, focusing on how we as Christians prepare for the end of our own lives and then how our eschatology impacts how we live today. So, uh, Without further ado, let's hop right in and let's get the ball rolling. Okay, thank you, Reese. Um, and um, uh, brothers, sisters, if we got any on the platform, um, tonight's um, session is um, Are We Ready? But um, before we actually jump into that, or before the, the, the main um, um, coordinator takes us through some discussion and conversation into that. I would just like to set a bit of a tone because we're asking, are we ready? Um, but sometimes let's think, let's think about, let's think just for a few minutes, just by me um, sharing with you a couple of verses from um, the New Testament on um, the reasons why we should be ready the promises that God has in store for us. So sometimes we look at being ready as being a chore, as being um, difficult, and we look as if sometimes we probably think that all the sacrifice and all the efforts and all the, the, the headaches and the 
um, that, that we have got to go through to be ready and and how important it is to be ready you know if we remember why we're being ready uh, why we've been made ready and what we're trying to achieve and what we're looking forward to then um, it will the conversation of are we ready will might take a little bit more um, uh, it might give it a little bit more gravity to say oh my goodness I don't want to miss out on these things. I don't want to, I want to be part of this, you know? So, so I'd just like to open up with a couple of scriptures. And the first one, as I said before, is from um, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2 and verse, verse 9 to 10. And it reads like this. But... Okay, let me even go back to verse 8. Or even verse 7, sorry. But we speak, that's the Apostle Paul, but we speak the wisdom of God in mystery. Even the hidden things, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And then my, the main verses that I was going on to, but as it is written, eyes are not seen, nor ear heard, neither as it entered the heart of man, the things which God has in store, has prepared for them that love him. For God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit search all the things, yes, the deep things of God. So God has prepared for us some things that our hearts and our minds and our imagination cannot even begin to imagine. So let me just take us through a few more of those promises um, as we prepare ourselves to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of the the assault of the world, regardless of the challenges, regardless of the persecution that is before us, the prize is what we set our hearts and our minds on. So, um, Revelations chapter 3 and verse 5, and this is to one of the first of the churches, God tells them what he's promising them. So, he chastises them first who needed chastisement, he rebuked them who needed rebuking, he encouraged those who needed encouraging. And with every one of those seven churches, he ends with a promise of some reward. And just imagine, the rewards are not always the same. So you just imagine it, all the collective rewards. And these are only some of the things that God is mentioning because the Apostle Paul says, eyes have not seen, it doesn't even, and cannot enter our imagination. It's just out, out of this world. You know, it's just unimaginable, the things that the Almighty God has in store for us. So, so, so um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 reads, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Now, and, and what, what, what's the significance of white, white raiment? Well, they have significance, and, we, and I'm not even going to attempt to say, suggest what they are, but they mean something to God. You know, and they mean they will mean something, and they will have some some specific reasoning when to those people who get them. It's like saying, "I'm going to give you a crown of life." The crown of life means something. It is not just symbolic. It actually has resonance and gravity. What those are, I'm not purporting to know. So let me continue. White Raymond, and I will not, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's to what, that's to the first church. And then he says to the second one, him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and shall go and, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon his, upon him, the name of my God and the name of the whole of the city of God, which is the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my name. And he goes on to the third church. 
These are the wonderful promises of God. He goes on to the third church. Oops, I've jumped the gun there. And he goes on. Um, yes, let me. So is that okay? Okay, you know what? I'm I'm I I did start too early. Um. So the first one was to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To another one, he said, he that overcometh shall not be earth of the second death. To another one, he says, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone. And in that stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, save he that receiveth it. And to, and the finally, and and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessel of a potter shall be shall they be broken to shivers, even as I receive of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that art and hear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. i just like to leave those scriptures as we delve into the question, Reese. Thank you. No, thank you as well. I have to admit, I was uh, slightly digressing as I was following through on um, the uh, scriptures there as well. But um, yeah, it will, it will be interesting to see how this one goes because um, like we said, we're in the midst of a uncertain, um, an uncertain time, and with everything going on between like Russia and Ukraine, and how the other co- um, companies, the other countries, are getting involved, and there's articles discussing that. Always, oh, it like we're getting into the the realms of like World War Three, and then and seeing inflation, um, prices of fuel and stuff going up, and um, Things being made harder for people. Um, while seeing a, a, another surge towards people um, digging into scriptures about uh, the the last days and uh, what things to be prepared for. But then with the, the last two years, um, we've had a sort of thing of um, the uncertainty of how fragile life actually is. And anybody could be taken at any point, whether it be um, directly, indirectly or indiscriminately, things like that, that a life is, is like a, um, it's like a vapor, as the Bible says. So as we, um, as we're going into the pandemic initially, there were conversations about this same thing going on again, about um, or discussions actually trying to work out with uh, what things are relatable to certain scriptures and um, trying to work out when Jesus comes back and things like that. So I thought it might be be good to, at this stage, while while the iron is hot, to kind of help people navigate this in a a biblical but also like a sober-minded way because um there have been many attempts with everything that's happened in um world history or human history to try and work out when jesus is coming back or that he has come back already or he's not coming back at all with the sort of like different viewpoints on um how they view scriptures and how they've interpreted them and things like that. Uh, certain things obviously being popularized by by media. Um, I think it would be good, yeah, for us to because I, 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 I would certainly agree to some degree that um, in terms of eschatology, we probably have different views initially on where we put our feet but then um 
even with that, I think walking up into that, it is kind of like working out how, as Christians, we should be approaching and dealing with topics like death, whether it be the death of a loved one or our own death, having that kind of getting to the point where you reach that fork in the road, it's just like, okay, how do I as a Christian deal with with that? Because um, it's an inevitability for us all. Unless Jesus comes back beforehand, it's an inevitability for us all. But I don't think it's something that is necessarily talked about um, in any way, shape or form. And understandably so, it's not necessarily something that you go, oh, you know what, this is great, you know, anybody feeling up to, you know, talking about when we're going to die and things like that, or how we're going to die. But you do see glimpses of that hope in people like the apostles, um, where despite the hardships that they were going through, they had hope in something that was outside of themselves, outside of their lives, that they were tethered onto. And I think that, um, I can certainly say that with me growing up, we, um, you would kind of hope that you would hope Jesus will come back before you die because you don't want to experience death. I know that that was something I certainly pulled into because it's like, I don't like the idea of dying. I don't know what's on the other side. It's not something you go, oh, I don't like this. Let me step back, think about it again, and then try again later. And by try again later, I mean trying to avoid it altogether. Um, it's yeah, it's not something we're really taught to prepare for or to consider as we as we walk through as Christians, even with eschatology at one side. Um, so I, I I am thankful that you brought that up, Alfred, initially about how we prepare ourselves for that, um, because I guess a lot of it comes down to. How much trust, or, or well, yeah, how much trust we put in Christ, but then that trust, where that trust is rooted in, in terms of our understanding of of Christ, because I know that my, because my eschatology has shifted, but then also my hope in Christ has shifted to a far more positive light, and it's through means that I would have never expected. Um, so I guess I would at least like to hear from yourselves first. Um, how you might have come to groups with it if you have and what sort of things might be um, helpful to at least enable those who say are like in my age group or maybe even younger to start thinking about those sorts of things if possible interesting um yeah, it's very interesting that you ask it in that way. Could the young, uh, the elderly have something to pass on to the young? That's a very good question. And I was thinking, actually, when you said that, Reese, that, um, you know, young people don't save for their pensions. Mm. That's a thought that came to my mind, yeah? And the government is, well, they, were, they used to be a lot more uh, enthusiastic about getting people to save, and they've done their best, I think, perhaps. But now people... I don't know, do young people people like to save? I wonder if there's a parallel there between what we're doing, thinking about the future. Obviously, things coming on the horizon that we may not be aware of, as Pastor Alfred mentioned about persecution. Mm. Uh, how should we prepare ourselves in this changing world? I think that's the interesting thing. Uh, how do we focus in the midst of all this confusion about prophecies that are prolific right now aren't there mm. every tom dick and harry who likes to prophesy is out, is out there to draw away disciples we have to be careful on the one hand that we don't get caught up in the moment and we become fretful and we start panicking we we run into confusion we start looking for answers that's not a good thing yeah mm. in patience we should possess our souls what the enemy wants to do is to try and uh, you see what Putin is doing? 
to the enemy, what, what mm -hmm. he sees in Ukraine. You see the tactics he's using? Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of tactics the enemy is using against the church. Posturing. Do you understand what I mean by posturing? He stood there for weeks. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah and yeah. Uh, nothing seemed to happen. And then, obviously, when Joe Biden says, well, I'm not going to do anything about it, gave him the green light. Absolutely. And this is what led to the disaster. So I would go on to say that the enemy is posturing. When pastors don't stand up, when watchmen don't watch, yeah, mm. he, then he's posturing. He feels like he can move in. He can bring in his uh, false apostles, his false teachers. And there's plenty of those about now, everywhere. Everywhere you look, somebody has something to say. But I think we should get back to what Jesus said. You know, the first thing is, let's not panic. Let's not uh, get carried away. But he says, when you hear of wars or rumors of wars, yeah, don't panic because this kind of thing is must take place. But the end is not yet by and by. Mm. I think Pastor Alfred, you wanted to say something. I'm going to give way. Yeah. Um, no. Um, I I was. Um, I was. I well. I had written down. Um, I was trying to write down some of what Reese had um, had raised, which, as you said, Pamvir, um, that it was interesting um, the way that Reese posed their various um, questions and thoughts. Uh, you know. Was very very interesting. How do I, as a Christian, deal with death? Um, now, of course, and and what you were saying, Brother Parmvir, is definitely a, a warning to um, Christian leaders. You know, in in particular, Christian leaders that um, listen. There are different kind of Christian leaders out there. You know. There are, you have the Catholic leadership, you have the Church of England leadership, and then you have the kind of a Pentecostal and evangelical leadership. And there's a difference in those leadership. Now, the Catholic and the Church of England leadership, they do not purport to be definitive in anything that they believe. They always leave the bridge, or, 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 or the, um, the bridge, um, intact for retreat, you know, um, but with, with the Pentecostal and evangelical leadership, we are more dogmatic, we are more, we are more dogmatic in the sense that we say, we will say, God is, and the Catholic and the, the Church of England, they might almost, and this I'm just being a little bit frivolous, they might almost say, God may be, God may, but then, when people who believe they are hearing from God and have a more um, sure um, way of believing that they have actually had revelations from God and not Nambi Pambi, if he, if he, you know, you're, you know, you will walk a road and walk a road with confidence when you know and believe that God has led you on that road. So, you know, so here is the road that we know. And we must know this road very clearly. The Catholic Church and the, and, the, and, the, and the Church of England, they literally almost open up the road that, yeah, anybody will end up in heaven because God is so good. Everybody who dies, when you listen to um, the funeral services of whoever died, it's almost like they're looking down. When you hear people talk about their loved ones who have died, oh, he's looking down at us. I wonder what he's saying today. That's a, that's a suggestion that that person has gone up, wherever hope is. But but hope is like they've gone to heaven, you know. But I think we are a little bit more dogmatic, and we say, if a man or a woman does not live righteous here, they ain't going to heaven. If they don't, um, if they don't obey the word of God, they ain't going to heaven. You know, if they don't obey the truth of the scripture, if they don't yield to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not going to God. They're not going to heaven. Now, we're more dogmatic in saying that because we, we take a totally different, as Reese would say, we take a different view on God, view on life, view on death, 
you and Evan, you and L, than most people. You know, we will say a man must live righteous, otherwise he ain't going to heaven. And there is a standard and you can look and see people and you can determine whether overwhelmingly when somebody behave in a particular way, you can say, you can, you can literally draw some conclusion at that moment. And I say at that moment, because we don't know what the, the final moment might be. But at that moment, when a man is swearing and cursing and stealing and murdering, at that moment, that man is not fit for heaven. What will happen the moment after? Who knows what transaction goes on? Now, we will be quite bold and blatant in making those declarations as, as Pentecostal. And I'm saying Pentecostal because it's tendency, we, as the way that we've been brought up as Pentecostal, we are more in people's face, in your face, in the scripture's face. Are the scriptures more in our faces? And we are more engaging with the scripture. Yeah, our eyes are you know, popping out when we read the scripture because that's what the scripture says. Wow, I must forgive, otherwise God is not gonna forgive me. Ooh, that is, that's definitive. It's not an if or a maybe, maybe he will forgive you. No, he will not. Blessed are the merciful. Or they shall obtain mercy. If I'm not merciful, no mercy for me. No mercy from whom? No mercy to me from God. You know, and where's that mercy that we're talking about? God is going to have mercy upon us to cause us to enter into his heaven. If we are merciful, so blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. When God comes to judge, he will show mercy to those who have shown spiritual and gracious and righteous mercy. You know, so... So, so those are some very pertinent questions that you asked there, Reese. How do, how, you know, as Brother Parmby, you said, the enemy is posturing. And we know, we know, and I love the contrast you draw there. It's this, that, 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 that uh, yeah. as how Putin has demonstrated his attitude, his snaky attitude. And listen, I'm not talking about Putin because the whole, I'm not making Putin out to be more of a devil than anybody else. In my book, the whole of the leadership of the world, they are demons, they are devils, they are unjust, they are wicked, they are, they, are, they, are, they are scorpions. I don't see no good one. In the church, I see not all good ones either, some good ones. But in government, in the leadership of government, there are no good ones. They have their own agenda, their greed factor, you know, their, 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 their nepotism, whatever it is, their human factor that drives them. So, so Putin is wicked, so is Biden. Even though he might label himself a Catholic, he has done, he has done wicked things as well. And all the rest of them, the Canadian one, the Australian one, the one in India, the one in Jamaica, the one in Paris, Europe, all the European countries, they are no better. They're all in it together. And we say, well, why are they, why, why are evil fighting evil? Well, they're jockey. What's going on in this world with all these leadership? At the end of the day, their, their master is mustering them for a particular position for the end time. They're being mustered. They don't know that, but they don't need to know it because they're not the general. Their general is leading them somewhere. You know, just like our general, the almighty God, Jesus Christ, is leading us somewhere. Sometimes we don't know where he's leading us, although we should have a good idea because he's left the script with us, the Bible. He has left the Holy Spirit with us to teach us, to guide us into all truth. So we, our master is mustering us as well for the end time. The devil is mustering his people up for the end time. He's posturing them. No, and say they're fighting against they're not fighting against you. Yes, you say, well, they're dropping bombs. What do you mean they're not fighting? No, no, no. They are, they are jockeying for position. Who is who is gonna who is gonna be, you know, listen, before before the leader can come out, some destruction, so, so you got you got you gotta knock some people into place before the true leader comes out. You know, so so right now, America, Russia. Um, the Europeans, you know, um, China, you know, where is the leadership for this anti-God world going to come from? You know, it ain't going to come from all of them, you know, so somehow they're going to have to be, they're gonna, their heads are going to be banged together and destruction is going to come out of all those banging together until out of that comes the unity, which is opposite to the unity of God, the, the world unity 
that's going to bring about, that's going to muster them, gather them together to do the thing that they must do. And at the end of the day, they, they must have a common enemy for, for Russia, America, and the rest of them to join together. They must have a common enemy. And I can only see one common enemy that they can all have as a common enemy. And it ain't coming from Mars because there's nothing on Mars. It's not coming from Saturn or from some distant place in the universe because there is no, the only thing that will be coming from some distant place in the universe is the almighty God and his angels, but no alien force coming to occupy earth or anything like that. So, 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 so they, they are, they are slowly unknowing to them being brought to a place where they will find their common enemy. And, you know, and right now, right now, Reese and, um, and Paramvia, at this moment, the church is no common enemy. We are almost like bedfellows with, 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 with them. But when we will become a common enemy, enemy that they will want to wipe out, that they will want, well, you know, Israel is a common enemy as well, you know, but I'm, I'm wrapping Israel and the church's destiny as one, we have Israel and the church have a very similar destiny. And why? Because we are under the umbrella of the same God that, that, that declares that we are the spiritual Israel. There is a physical Israel, but the two have a, have a synergy between them. You know, so, so the common enemy that the world will have to fight against. And until they... When they find that common enemy, Russia won't be dropping bombs on, uh, on Ukraine, neither will um, Russia be dropping bombs on America and vice versa, nor China, nor any of those countries. Why? Because they they, when they find the common enemy, all their energy will go together to try to suppress, to destroy the common enemy, which will be, the, which will be those. Now, why are we not the common enemy? Because we ain't doing anything that's antagonistic against against the world. But when we start to stand up as Jesus Christ and the apostles did in turning the world upside down, when we stop, you know, lying in the same bed as those people, speaking the same doctrine as those people, drinking from the same water well as those people, when we come out on the Lord's side and begin to carry the name of Jesus Christ, uncompromising name of Jesus Christ, that says there is but one God, there is but one way to heaven. All other religions are man-made and false. Homosexuality, all the wickedness, divorce, remarriage, all those things, adultery. When we come out and speak out boldly like the apostles did against those wickedness of men, fornication and all those things, then we will become the common enemy. You know, um, I might have strayed a little bit, you know, but that, you know, but, but you know, when we become a common enemy, you know, then the, the, the forces, and it might not be military force, but the legal forces, just like how they have demonstrated the forces that they have over the last couple of weeks by, um, by shutting down the Rus Russian banks, shutting mm -hmm. down the Russian um, commerce, shutting down this, you know, we saw it over in Canada when the protesters um, were support. When, when ordinary people were supporting the, 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 the lorry drivers in their protests, the government, um, GoFundMe shut down those accounts because they were using their money to support the people who were protesting. The government shut down the people's bank account. Yeah, we have, um, there was a discussion going on. I didn't share it with, with, with anybody. I probably should. Um, there was an interview by CNBC um, television was interviewing um, um, the chief executive for a, um, a crypto, uh, uh, one of the big crypto um, um, companies called Kraken. And um, she was asking some very pertinent questions. And why is, would Kraken shut down all the accounts for the ordinary citizens in Russia. And he says, well, that's a little bit 
tough to do. And we, we will never do that until our, unless our government force us to do those things. We wouldn't do it. Why? Because when you, sh basically, they have the wherewithal to, to just turn the top off and shut those people down so that they will not have money to spend to buy the, right now, they can't go to the banks mm. because the Russian banks have been brought down, but they do have the, the, the space called the cryptocurrency space where they can do transactions. So they were asking the crypto giant here, would you do that? And he said, well, until our government tells us that we must, we ain't going to do it. Because once you do that, you are stopping the ordinary people from being able to buy bread, from being able to pay their bills, from being able to look after their family. And that, he says, is the Rubicon too much to cross. You know, so the point I'm making there is, um, is that they have the wherewithal to shut us down as Christians. They have the wherewithal to, um, to target us, you know, and so, 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 so this question of being ready is so pertinent because, you know, one of the, one of the things that makes um, Christians um, not eager to proactively and visibly chase after readiness um, and when we when we when we are moving into the sphere of being ready, brother Parmvir, we still there? Are we still there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, my thing went funny. Yeah. Yeah. When we we should you know we should be able to demonstrate every child of God should be able to demonstrate to one another. We're supposed to see it in the eagerness of our faces and our action and the, the things we engage in, that we are in a readiness business. We are pursuing readiness. We are seeking to be ready. You know, the way that we converse with one another, the way we love one another, the way that we care for one another, the readiness should be seen in us in those ways. You know, but, 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 but we're not, um, I don't see um, that eager, visible, vibrant state of appearing and pursuing actively, vigorously pursuing readiness. I don't see that. I see, I see amongst Christianity and Christian and us, and I'm and I'm not even excluding myself. I'm saying us, you know, um, a very casual um, Sunday Sunday attitude, Sunday spirit. You know, there's no real eagerness to be ready. I don't see. But then, but then, but then, because God loves us, and because God knows. Um, us and he loves us and he knows um, that the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, what he will do, he will put fire behind us. And when fire is behind us, we will chase. And you will see that readiness in my face, brother Parmi, because I'm, you know what I'm ready for? I know my moment is coming and I'm, I'm ready for death. I'm ready for death. And that's the question we're asking, being prepared, being ready for being ready for the end. Well, when is the hand? The hand is not the hand is the hand for most of us probably here might be before the rapture. Brother, brother, brother Reese, you mentioned that over the last couple of years, how fragile and we've come to discover that, you know, in the midst of life, we're in death, you know, when something mm -hmm. like the pandemic or, or the flu could just come and take people away unaware, unwittingly, you know, and the same thing is so, so being ready, being ready for the end time is one thing, but the end time is every day. It's every day for me, it's today. You know, over this last couple of weeks, we have buried so many strangers who have come through the doors of the church, you know, the woman last week, the woman whose son was 29 or 30, you know, he went to bed, he went shopping, did all his business, came home, had nothing wrong with him, went to bed, he didn't wake up. The hen had come for him, you know. Uh, we buried another one on the 25th, um, uh, 25th. No, 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 nobody to do with, the trip, with, with our particular congregation, but they've come to us. The man went out, um, the man went out shopping, went out shopping today, the next day they're, they're ringing him to get him, can't get him, you know, he's dead. He just, he just, he just, he just, he just had a, he just died, you know, he just died. Then they're trying to get his brother now, one of his brother, because there's more than one, trying to get one of his brother to tell him that uh, this, his brother has died. They can't get him. What, what, where's his brother? They can't get him. Eventually when they got him, he, he had died as well, but he had, had a massive heart attack and he was, he was, he, he had that, he was, he, his heart had stopped for something like 20 minutes 
and the, when the ambulance came, they were able to revive him. The point I'm making here is that being ready, I'm not waiting for the rapture to be ready. I, I'm gonna go to sleep tonight and I haven't got a clue. I don't know when I lie down and I don't know when I wake up. I don't know when I fall asleep. I, I have no control over my, over my bodily functions or over my mind. It could just disappear. Being ready is do not let the sun go down on wrath and anger and foolishness. You know, seek forgiveness now whilst you have the consciousness, you know, and that's what it is. So a lot of people, a lot of us, unfortunately, we, we spend a lot of time worrying about the rapture, worrying about the hen. We better be ready <laughs> right now because we don't know what's going to take our life away. We could be walking down the street and some silly person come and clap us over the head and we are finished. We could be a road accident, whatever could happen. It's just so, it's just so multifluous, you know, the things that can happen to us, you know. So being ready is an everyday thing. So, so how do I as a Christian deal with death? Well, that's a great one, Brother Parmville. That's a great one. Uh, yeah, that's a great one, but I'm not, uh, probably I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna gloss over that one. But there is something, uh, and you and you say you you, you, don't, you don't like you don't like death, you know. I'm, and I don't think anybody likes death, you know. I don't I can't say that I like death, you know. I I can't say really that I like it. I don't like it. But you know, there is a situation that I feel. And I'm gonna has I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard myself and say I feel that there is a situation that we could achieve, uh, whereby we could look forward to death. But that is a um, that is you don't just drop in that situation by accident. It's gotta be it's gotta be like a career you're chasing. And I think the Apostle Paul and you mentioned them, um, Brother Reese. The, they apostles that reached a place where they did not give two penny for living in this world. The apostle Paul reads it in such a way, and he says, "You know, for me, it is it, it is the better for me to go to be with Christ now." But the, but as an apostle, a man who has a purpose and who has been given a ministry and a mission, and he knows and understands his mission, and his mission is towards people who do not know God. He said, but for you, it is better that I remain in this life. For me, it is glorious to go now. Because why, why is it glorious? Because in my heart and in my spirit, I am ready. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling. I am ready. I have, got, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith and I'm ready. But as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ with a mission towards men, it's better for you that I don't go yet. So, so, so what I'm saying there, Brother Reese, is that there is a place where we can be, where we might not be as uncomfortable and uh, about death, you know, but we could actually eagerly look forward to it if we reach that nirvana. Is that right, Brother Prambhis? That's such a word, nirvana? Yeah, that's the yeah. Hindu word for the Buddhist word for heaven. Right. If we reach that position, that place, you know, um, then... Um, then you don't, we don't care about life, you know? We don't care about the living of this life, but, it's, but, what, but the reason why we, want, we, we probably want to hang on a little bit more, Brother Reese, the reason why you probably want to hang on a little bit more when you reach that place where you could easily say, Lord, take, let your servant now depart in peace. Now that was, um, that, that was um, Simeon, he was ready. He said, his mission was finished. He said, no, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. He said, take me now. Why? Will a man who is not ready to meet God say that? No. You know, but when you're ready, when you, when you know, you know, you know what you know, you know that you are with God and you know that your heart and your mind and your spirit and your body, your will is for God. You will say, anytime, God, you're ready. I am ready. But here's why you, Brother, Brother Reese and, and, and probably myself and others, I hope we will look at, um, and I think God has given us some wisdom, and it's not being presumptuous or anything like that. You know, we know that um, amongst, uh, you know, your little children, Reese, you know, you want to hang around as long as you can to instill something in their little souls that will keep them for their moment of readiness, because you know that they're, you know, the world that we're in, that they're not going to be doing anything to nurture 
the love of God, the grace of God, the beauty of God in your children. So you have a responsibility, you and Kath and, and grandma and granddad and all those who love, who love the children, have a responsibility to sow seeds of righteousness in them because after we've gone the world ain't gonna do what you what what we you know what needs to be done spiritually you know so that's the only reason why when you reach that place you're ready to cross over like the apostle paul he says i'm ready but for your sake i'm i'm god i'm asking god to keep me here a little bit longer because i have some some benevolence to do to you guys you know um you, you, you know, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I have some benevolence, some good things that I have from God that I want to share with you to help you to prepare for your endness, you know. So so that's it really. What I'm not going to do, um, a lot more I could say, but I'm going to hold hold forth there because I think um, we have a lot of discussion that, that that needs to take place, yeah? I hope that that has not strayed too much, but that it's added a little bit to the discussion. Sounds fine to me. That sounds uh, sounds good uh, and wholesome. Thank you for that. Um, I don't know if you. Uh, it's back to you, brother Reese. I don't know what you're. Do you have any further questions? Oh no, no. I was going to say that it's um, it's true what you're saying because um, it's like if I use my experience, um, death is something I've always been very fearful of. Um, growing up, yeah, like in. Uh, in the church I was growing up in Birmingham, you would have a lot of funerals. Like there, there was a point where it's just it you couldn't you couldn't fathom it. Um people were just passing away one after the other, just like like minister after minister and then family member after family member. And it's just like it makes you think, what's going on? What's going on? Um and for me like to kind of give you a, a, an idea of how uneasy I was with it. Because um, I was playing bass with the worship team and it used to be a case where, because I was playing with the worship team, I'd usually play at the funerals and I would dread to hear the words, oh, we're going to have an open casket service. Luckily for me, I'm on the other side, but even just having the casket open and me seeing that the lid is open on my side, I am slouching in my seat to make sure I see nothing at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't want no, don't want to see no nothing. It needs to be closed. And when it's closed, I will move from the seat. As long as that stays open, I am happy to sit in this seat. Even if it's a case where they go to the burial ground <laughs> and I stay in that seat until I know that this person is gone. Cause it's just like, I didn't want anything to do with it. Didn't want anything to do with it. But then the idea that I could die was just something that's like, no, it, it, it 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 just doesn't it just does not feel natural and I guess it's probably in our nature to know that it's not something that's necessarily natural because it's it's a byproduct of sin really that's has caused it to come about so I guess I can understand it from that sense but it's just that unease of I don't like the idea that my life is going to cease and I guess you kind of see it with people using things like medication and other stuff to try and prolong their lives and all sorts of other things like even going as far as saying like um is it cryogenic freezing and things like that yeah. so it's like oh you know if you're That's ill right. we'll freeze you and yeah it's like all these things we're trying to do to try and see if we can ex extend our lives um or i think um, it's the issue the issue is suffering hmm. not not so much death when you look at it from the back it's suffering that uh, people it's the suffering that causes them problems yeah hmm. because they rather have their lives taken or take someone's life because of suffering. That's true. That's the issue. But but the biblical understanding of suffering is not the same as the worldly, hopeless, you know, negative, pessimistic view of suffering. This is why the Christian is different. Paul says, even though our outward man is perishing daily, yet uh, perish, is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed daily. So that, that shouldn't be happening. We, we as Christians shouldn't be thinking about that sort of thing. The thing, what I'm thinking is, why are people spending so much time? They're either too busy, what's the word, worrying about death, yeah, uh, too busy perhaps doing other things. But I, for me, if if we're going to meet our Lord, I just know He'll be looking to see who's been doing what He wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's in, you know, I know it's nice to know the Lord Jesus. We know him now. 
But you've got to understand when we meet him, you, you see the parables, what you see, he sees servants and he will be looking for accounts. Mm. I know it's great. Jesus, we love him. We love, he loves us and all this and that, but we forget what the picture is. He doesn't present himself like that. He will show us the father. He will do all those good things. But before you get there, you've got a judgment at the white throne uh, where he will see, he'll probably ask, what did you do Palmer <laughs> for me? Nice to have you here, but what did you do? I had something for you to do. Why? What happened? So that worries, that concerns me more than death and suffering and all of those things. I don't want to be for, before his seat. And he, he sa he's saying to me, asking me difficult questions that I don't have answers for. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. People mm -hmm. are too worried about what's going on in the world instead of preaching the gospel. Forget that nonsense. The, the apostles were so caught up in doing what the Lord wanted. They didn't have time to think about things like that. It wasn't important. This is going to last a very short space of time, the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But what you do for the Lord will last forever. So I would say, let's not behave like this. It's great to go to church. I had a great service and I'm looking forward to meeting the Lord. That scares me because what about the preaching and the responsibilities? I hope he doesn't say, you, pay, you, you lazy and wicked, slothful servant. What did you do with the, with the gifts I gave you? What did you do to the, you know, you were supposed to use them. I gave you my spirit to go out and about and do the work of God. But you sat there. You, didn't, you, you built your business up. You took care of your family, but you didn't, you didn't step outside the door. I do not want to hear from that Lord Jesus. And people don't like to hear that, but that's exactly what's going to happen. So let's not think that all of those things are guaranteed. They're not. They're not guaranteed. Yeah. My focus and your focus, brothers, should be when the Lord comes, will he find faith? Will he find us busy? That's where his priorities are. Is he worried about the people of Ukraine? Is he Does he care for them? Oh, my goodness. Does he care for them more than you and I can ever know? God is long-suffering not wishing that any should perish. Otherwise, he would rescue straight away. But there is a plan. There are things that have to happen. And it's very sad. You know, I am concerned that what Vladimir Putin is doing yeah, is emboldening, emboldening, if I can use that word, strengthening, you know, countries against each other, against their enemies. Like China has a grand scheme of things uh, planned for Taiwan. India mm -hmm. launched her, accidentally launched a missile into Pakistan the other day. It was accidental. It was a malfunction. Russia has its eyes on the, these uh, oil and gas that's been discovered in Israel. When uh, Putin went to meet uh, the former uh, prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, we spent hours talking to him about the, uh, the, uh, the oil fines and all of that. Wasn't interested one bit about you know, resolving the issue in, um, in Syria. So I'm thinking, you're right, uh, Pastor Alfred, when you said that they are, they're going to find a common enemy. Yeah? Yeah. But it's also in line with biblical uh, principle uh, prophecies where the common enemy is going to be Israel, where it's, we're told that uh, God will gather all nations or united nations, you could say, against Israel. But before that, there's you and I, isn't there? There's the church. What's going to become of us? I'm firmly convinced that there are two things that could happen. The first one is apostasy, even in the so-called Pentecostal church. I think it's there. Hmm. There is certainly, in my mind, sleeping. I think there's a lot of sleeping. Because people, when they should be up and raising the alarms, saying something, doing something about the dangers that are coming in, they're just sitting there. You know, that's one thing. There's a lot of sleeping. The other one, so apostasy is a real danger in the Pentecostal. Evangel evangelical church, I have no regard. I'm, I'm convinced a lot of them have become apostate. A lot of the Pentecostals have become apostate. Um, the other thing is it will stir the actual ones who are motivated by God, who've been prepared for that hour, to not really care too much about what's going to happen in the world, but really to stand up and preach the word of God. Those are the only two options that I can see. I think the middle ground is disappearing fast. I don't think there's going to be any place to hide. I don't think there's going to be a halfway house between the world and us. I think God has removed that. Yeah. That's become very clear. Say, yeah, yeah. 
I was going to say, because it, it, like, that's something that I, I've noticed in <clears throat> certain discussions over the past few years, like while we've been um, now under, um, under lockdowns and things like that, is I've kind of discovered that we think that there's a middle ground, especially not with the conversations we've had, I guess, like if you were to throw out the, the LGBT stuff, people might say, oh, you know, I, I won't say anything. I'll, I, in my heart, I don't um, agree with it, but I won't say anything just in case, because you stand on that middle ground. That middle ground doesn't exist. And I've kind of come to understand, especially that from scripture, that um, God pretty much works in absolutes. It's where it's, it's wheat and chaff. There's no in-between. It's either sheep or goats. There's no in-between. It's, it's, it's that middle one or the it's yeah. <laughs> so it's like we, we've created this this um this false hope that it's like you know what i can sit on the fence and i'll be okay it's like well no no that's not the case like if that like that's not found in scripture it's a case of yeah it's like god is patient but eventually that patience runs out and i agree with things that you said because it's just like um like yeah you read through like the, the letters to the churches in revelation and you can say, it's like with Thyatira, it's just like, you know, you do all these things, but you tolerate this and I hate it. And if you don't repent from this, I'm going to remove you from the, um, remove a candle from the candlestick. And it makes me think like, I know that there's things that we, we do, um, I guess almost as a denomination that is in complete opposition to the Bible. You know, you could say it's like biblical disobedience, but we don't do anything about it. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, if Jesus says, like, you know, I, I won't, I'll, I'll come with, I'll come to you, but I'm going to come to you like a thief, I'm with a sword, sort of thing. It's just like, do we have that sort of um, desire to be like, um, what, where are we, where are we going wrong? And we need to get this right because, yes, we have a confidence that. You know, Jesus as our Lord and all those sorts of things that we take hope in. But he's also going to judge us and we're going to be accountable for everything we do. Like I've I've certainly um had to implement that in my life and I've noticed it um, in the in, in me going in the, um in my uh, my journey of growing as a as a strong Christian who's possessing this faith. Um that uh, the scriptures talk about but then when i'm challenged when i'm coming to when i come to a portion of scripture that challenges me and i know i am not meeting the mark i won't make excuses it's just like you know what okay god i can see that this is what you want me to do and i know that it's your way is perfect and these are the, the precepts and the frameworks and everything that you want me to abide by so if you want me to do this I'm going to try my best to do it, but I'm going to need your help to do it also. I won't make excuses because I noticed that um, you notice that kind of in the dynamics of the the love and the submission thing where it's just like, oh, well, wives, you need to submit. Well, oh, well, husbands, you need to, you know, you need to love. And it's just like, stop. Like you, you can spend five hours pointing the finger, but at no stage was anyone like, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for what I need to do. I'll let the women do what they do and the men will do what we do because we love Christ. We understand that these are the things that we need to do and it's going to give God glory in the end. That's the thing that he's most precious over. Let's know his glory. So let's do this thing to his glory. But no, it's like, well, you make the first move and then I'll move after. And it seems to be all the sort of like touchy practical um, thingies, um, sort of topics and things that we live with tend to take root in that as well. It's just like, well, these are the problems that we have. I don't like the problems that we have. I want a solution, but I don't want to be the one that steps out to get that solution. I want the solution just to come to me. And then I'm happy now because I've got what I wanted, but I've put no effort or work into it. And it's the same like I've noticed with the, because uh, at church, um, obviously going through the, this discipleship thing. And I think even like with that, like, that's fundamentally lacking. Like if we were to get a grapple with that in itself, these things that we are struggling with wouldn't be so hard to struggle with if it was just like, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. This is the word of God. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm going to do it. So if I'm coming to the word of God and it says that what I'm doing is wrong, I'm not going to excuse the sin. 
I'm just going to be like, you know what, I repent because I understand that this grieves you, God, and I want to, um, I want to be better for you. But instead, it's just a case of what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Because it's like, well, the discipleship thing is edifying because it's like with um, similar to Emily's question that she asked about what the church is for. It's like, well, um, as I'm digging into this discipleship thing, you see like um, it's there to edify, it's there to educate and prepare us for evangelism. If it becomes a very individualistic sort of selfism sort of thing, those things fall apart. You see in the um, you see in the church in Corinth where it's just like, oh, okay, there's fornication going on. We'll turn a blind eye to that because you know they're just doing their thing, um, incest and you know people sleeping with family members. Oh, we'll just turn a blind eye to that. We'll abuse their spiritual gifts because we know we want it to be a case where we are exalting ourselves and we've got the rich and the poor and these guys doing well. It's just like. Paul says, pursue love. Why is he saying pursue love? Because that would allow you to then use the things that God has given you to edify the other. Because it's like, well, if, again, going back to the, the pastor that we call the, we call the body of Christ. In your body, if you have something in your body that takes no care from anything else, it draws resources from everything else, but doesn't provide anything, what do you call it? You call it cancer? What do you do with cancer? You cut it out. <laughs> because if you leave it there, it kills the body. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. If we aren't looking to edify and to strengthen each other and to to challenge the things that um, are not biblical or the, the things that we, we know are sin, but we don't say anything about, that becomes a cancer. And if that cancer stays there, eventually we'll get to the stage where it's up with the seven church as well. I will remove you from the candlestick and I'll remove you from the candlestick because you, you're not obeying these teachings. See, it's, it's like, that's one of the things that tends to be pushing me that little bit further, which is like, okay, this is a difficult thing for me to handle. I, I see that I'm, I'm not um, coming up to the mark on this. I think, I, I think Reese, what we need to do, yeah, I, I really sympathize with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, once you know that God has called you for a purpose, yeah, you need to make, we need to make sure, I need to make sure that I am pure. That's the first thing, yeah? Mm. Uh, if we look around, I will see imperfections in my brethren, yeah? And I want to be careful that I don't become judgmental, yeah? Mm -hmm. Because I have those same imperfections. What I'm doing is I'm trying not to look at those things because this is our human nature. That can work against us, yeah? Let's, let's not look at each other's faults. Yeah? Let's build each other up. Yeah? What I can do is let's look to the perfect man. Let's look to Jesus. Yeah? Because if we look to each other, to our pastors, to our teachers, to our evangelists, to our Sunday school, to our singers, to our you know, worshippers, our congregation, we're going to see disappointment. Yeah? What is going to make the difference is when the church takes its eyes off each other, in a sense, yeah? and we look to Jesus, the perfecter, the originator and originator of our faith yeah the writer of our faith the author of our faith so mm -hmm. that's what's going to make the difference so when you realize when i realize individually that god has a purpose for me i don't need to worry about or concern myself too much with what's happening in the world or necessarily what's happening in the church that only becomes an issue when god has a purpose and it stands in the way then you must speak when it stands in the way and the purpose of god you should be bold you shouldn't be sitting there going along with everything. But on the equally, on the other hand, we gotta be careful that we don't discourage people because everyone is at different places in Christ, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. I've no, gotta help yeah. my brother, you know, and um, one thing I've learned, and what I'm learning is very quickly, maybe a lot of people might think that I'm very harsh with the way that I see things and how blunt I am. But when I'm, when I, I hope people can see that God has a purpose you know god's primary purpose is the gospel and uh, i hope i can motivate people to recognize that the first the first thing is you know the obedience to what christ wants yeah hope you enjoyed this session so far um i won't say too much as we want to keep the ball rolling as such Join us next week as we continue this portion of the conversation and as we prepare to slowly transition into the uh, 
slightly anticipated parts of this discussion with hopefully some guests that we're hoping to have on the show to discuss the eschatological side of everything. Um, I hope that he will challenge you and allow you to see things in a, a broader context in regards to the different viewpoints on the on the subject. But uh, again, I don't want to say too much. So uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Um, we'll see you on the next one. If it's not on this one, it might be uh, another one of the Be More Rain episodes as we continue on the part two of the Seven Breakdown on that one. But yeah. All means, take care and God bless.